0: Snap Studios. I was too little a kid to know anything about cars, but my uncle pulls up with this gleaming turquoise Cadillac. I know it's sharp. My cousins know it too. Whoa! Snap! Wow! Jumping up and down, all excited. Uncle slides out of the driver's side, sporting a suit the same color as his gleaming automobile, smiling like he just invented the sunny day. I suck in the new car smell through the slightly open window. Uncle! Uncle! Can we go for a ride? Uh-uh! See, ain't no dirty little boys getting up in my car. I know good and well he's going to give us a ride. Please! Please! He grins over at my dad, my auntie, my mama. And instead of grinning back, they frown in disgust. And I wonder how they're just gonna hate on my uncle like this. It takes me several years to piece it all out. But I'm gonna give the game away to you in the title of this episode, because today on Snap Judgment, we proudly present Con Man Daddy. where love, family, and criminality are mixed into the same stew. My name is Glenn Washington. Understand, a Honda Civic after the car wash gleams just as bright as a brand new Caddy. When you're listening to Snap Judgment. We begin with a chase. Sirens getting louder and louder. When whipping onto the sticky crap backseat as a family of outlaws fly full tilt down the Texas back road with their tail in full pursuit, Jack. I'll let Jason take it from here.
1: The cop was so close to us, we can make out his face. We're in a pacer, which there's no way it can go faster than a cruiser. But they're following us and they're getting closer and closer. In the 70s, If you could make it to the county line, then they would stop chasing you. And it was times like these that we're in it together. We're rooting for ourselves. We're not saying, dad, why'd you do this again? We're going, no, go, 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 go. That's a county line. It's a county line. You know, there's one of those green signs, you know? And we step on it. The little car is going as fast as it can. We cross the county line. And the, those cruisers, there were two of them in this case, they just sort of dropped off. And then we're just on to the next thing. My name is Jason Russell Waller. I'd like to tell you about my father. Sometimes the shape of a person can draw you in, and sometimes a voice can draw you in. And uh, my father... Was, um, he was shaped like Winnie the Pooh, and he had a voice with a Southern ease. So before you even met him, you liked him. My dad, he definitely had the wow factor. He was a leader, a natural leader. He, was, uh, he, he, worked, uh, he worked at church. He was the assistant pastor. He was on the Chamber of Commerce, involved with city council. He was always involved in things that required wearing a tie, he dressed like the city, but he always had that good old boy charm. Kind of that, that country charm was always with him. So he was really quite the man about town. I was five years old and living in a nice house on a nice street in Austin, Texas. And my father had a, a great new job at National Bank, where he was vice president. I remember really good times playing with my brothers. To us as children, things seemed like they were really, uh, really good. But how that all broke up was we had a babysitter. And one day, our babysitter, he came by in a Corvette, a new Corvette. He took us all for rides. Uh, It wasn't long after that, he went to jail for Uh, bank robbery now he worked at the same bank where my father was vice president we never got the full scoop on what happened all we knew is that somehow our father was related to this robbery because he we now had to leave town he was no longer working at a national bank, and it was time to hit the road. And from that moment on, that was in end of 1976. That began our 10 years on the road and on the run. In the beginning, what he did was he would go into a big company, And sell himself as a marketing director, talking them into, wow, you know, you have this, and you're doing great here, and I can see this, and I've read about you in the newspaper, but what you really need is a promotion. I'm a great promotions guy. And he would just do his thing and do his slickery talk. He would say... There's a trade show, and oh, this would be so good if we could get there. But what we need is... We need some supplies and we need a a hotel because what would be great is if you could come and your wife and and this guy could come and that guy, and it's in Colorado. Wow, wouldn't that be great? Their skiing is going on there. We could all be there too. When I look at it, it's going to cost about $10,000. So what I would need to do is go up there ahead of time and uh, I'll check it all out and Of course, there was never a trade show. There was never any of these things. And he'd get the $10,000 check and we'd scoot town. Most of our life on the run was in cars. You know, I don't know where they came from. I don't know where they went, but we had a new car all the time. We didn't even see them disappear. We just remember that our father would maybe leave early in the morning and then he'd come back later and it was a different car. They all were junk. All of them had chitty, chitty, bang, bang type sounds coming out of them. And we were in the back seat. So there was a lot of looking out the window and seeing myself as a cowboy on a horse, running, galloping beside the car. I'm a stunt man on a motorcycle, and I see myself on this motorcycle jumping and hopping, and, and I'm imagining myself outside the window, thinking, I have to go on, I have to keep going. At some point, we're gonna get out of this. When we were living on the road, we were living an adventure, no doubt. When Dad wasn't lying or stealing, he was a hell of a lot of fun. I mean, we were always going to amusement parks, state fairs, rodeos, whatever was going on in the town we were passing through. He would take us there, and he enjoyed it, you know, as much as we did. Even when we had no money at all, he was still the provider of fun, we'd be in a motel. And then at night, my father, I was a night owl, and and, and he allowed me to stay up and, and watch late night television as long as I, I, I turned it down way low. And uh, so I'd watch Monty Python and Benny Hill and old gangster movies until the uh, station signed off the air. <laughs> it sounds like a small thing, but he did this all my life. He would secretly buy me a coke he slips me a cold coca-cola that he bought earlier from the vending machine so that i can have a coke while i watch these old movies i think my father saw a lot of himself in me and so he treated me like i had something special it made me feel like he understood me in a way and for that, we had a a connection, I felt, a special connection. As time went on during these long car journeys, the Pepto-Bismol sort of became a um, barometer of the trouble that we were in. If we were living fat for a while off of some big scam that he had done, everything was going okay. You didn't really see the bottle, and you didn't notice that the bottle was gone, but you definitely noticed when the Pepto-Bismol bottle reappeared, because that meant, oh, man, okay, the good stuff is over, and it's, it's, uh, it's time to run again. There is a sudden knock on the door, and it's a couple of sheriffs. And our father is... I mean, right around the other wall. We opened the door. They're asking where he's at. Have you seen him? When's the last time you've seen him? And they're, you know, they're looking over our shoulders the whole time. And he is, you know, he's in a closet. He's just in a, clo- a grown-ass man hiding in a closet. We were sold on sort of this yellow brick road idea that we're going down this road, but it's leading to somewhere that's, Bigger, brighter, shinier. There's something at the end of this. Our mindset was that just just keep doing what you're doing. Keep counting the fence posts because eventually you're not going to have to. It gave us hope that something great was going to be at the end of this road. When we became teenagers... I was working on being an actor, and I thought, "Cool, I think I can crack into this acting thing. I'll at least start trying." For some reason, Austin, Texas, in the 80s and 90s, it was a real hotbed of, of uh, activity for, for films. And I went on an audition, and it was for a miniseries, and it was a big deal. Uh, it started. Sam Elliott. And so I went on the audition. I got the audition. First big, great thing that I I could ever do. It was quite a turning point for me. It was, you know, when you think about life being mostly curves, this was definitely an angle. Things can change for me after this. My goal was to save $10,000. I thought $10,000. If I put that amount of money away. After high school, I could take that money, go live in California and give the acting thing a try, you know, and I just thought that was sort of the number in my head was $10,000. Well, when I got this part, I signed a contract for $7,500. And then they paid me another $3,500 after I had done the acting part. So right off the bat, you know, I've already got the money. I took the $10,000 and I put it in the bank and did not touch it, had no need to touch that money because this was my pathway to my dream. While I was on that set, Sam Elliott and I were pretty friendly because I was right next to him through all of my scenes. My scenes were with him. After this movie, he was doing one in Arizona And, um, he said, I think you'd be good for the part of, you know, whatever, however Sam Elliott talks, but he said, um, he said, there's this part of a teenage son and you should go to Arizona and I'll put in a good word for you. To be able to go to Arizona and be in this movie, by law, I had to have a parent or guardian. You'll never guess who was available.
0: Will acting save Jason from his father's life of crime? Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast with Progressive? It is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate. Welcome back to Snap Judgment, the con man daddy episode. When last we left, Jason had just landed a new role in a movie in Arizona, but his up to no good father decided to make the trip with him. Snap Judgment.
1: I was scared, thinking, God, please don't talk to anybody because you're going to rip somebody off that I'm trying to get in this movie, but... He was completely minding his manners. He, say, he seemed to be mellowing. So when I went to Arizona, we're living in a little condo that is um, on a golf course. I'm having a, a fine time as a teenager. I'm enjoying the school I'm going to. He bought me a moped so I could get back and forth. So things are going what feels pretty good. Everything feels pretty normal. I come home one day and I look down in his hand and he's got a thing of Pepto-Bismol and I hadn't seen him drink from a bottle in a long time so when I saw him drinking that Pepto-Bismol bottle I went, oh man, what, you know Something's not right. He told me that some crimes he had done from the past had caught up with him. He hadn't done anything new and that they were after him and we had to leave right away. So there we go in the cloak of night, just like we did many times before. And in the middle of the night, we drove from Arizona and we kept going until we got to Texas to my uh, grandparents' home. Things are not good. You know, things don't feel good. I'm getting a strange feeling. I had transferred that $10,000 from Austin to a bank in Arizona. So I, I called the Arizona bank and... I needed to check, how much money did I have in my account? And she told me, you know, what, what, how much I had left in my account. And I said, I just, I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Can you repeat that? And she said, $11, $11. In that moment, I was numb. This was the money that I was putting down on a dream. My father has known my dreams my whole life. He knew how important this was to me. And he didn't just rob his son. He stole his son's dream. And I'm trying to figure out how 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 do you do this how do you do this all of these things are just going around in my head i was out in the pasture but i see my father he's walking out you know looked like he was looking for me and he's he's walking towards me And I can tell by his face, he doesn't know that I know. And his face changes and he says, what's wrong, son? I said, I called the bank. His face sunk. I I had never seen my father's face do this. And... Without me saying anything more than I called the bank, he started spitting out lies like they're coming out of a Gatlin gun. Oh, no. No, Jay, the, 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 the bank, they're, no, they've messed it up. Oh, well, I decided to have that transferred to so-and-so, and this is the—it's still there. I mean, it was— because he was coming up with these lies on the on the fly these were the worst lies i've ever heard him tell these were terrible i was telling him come on come on dad dad you're lying you're lying i called the bank my dad turned he was scared he was white and he started trotting back to my grandparents house like a fat little pony started trotting back to the house. Like, what, what is he, he's running away from me? I looked down, many times when I walked out to my, my, my grandparents' pasture, I brought an a old twenty two carbine rifle with me. That was my grandfather's. The whole time I'm talking to my dad and asking him how and why, I forgot that I was holding a rifle. And that's why he was looking at me, and that's why he ran away. I thought, oh my God, he thought I was out here, and I was going to murder him. And I'm glad I forgot that the gun was there. When we uh, went separate ways, and I stayed in Texas, and he went to Colorado, I didn't have a lot of contact with him the contact I was getting was from the single women who keep finding my number and calling me and saying are you the son of Ruffin Snow actually it was one of the names he used that was quite a name and I would say no but I am Jason and I know okay you know they're looking for my father and I said I don't know where he's at we were supposed to get married I gave him money for your operation he was saying that i had cancer and that i was dying of cancer i don't know what kind of operation you were going to have that i was going to have with cancer and i had to tell all of these women the same thing which was uh you've you've been taken i don't need an operation i mean it just got low you know just got it just got it is low I get one more of these calls, and this woman's name is Connie. She's from Colorado. She's looking for Bill Frank, and she had given him, I believe, $5,000. That's all she had. Um, She had a small savings. And I heard from Connie again a couple of weeks later. She tells me... Your father came back, and he asked me to marry him, and and we are going to get married, but... (laughs) He wanted me to let you know that an anonymous call was made and he's in jail right now. And he's going to be there for a while. Ten years. The district attorney that put him away had uh, people speaking against him. The, the district attorney could not stand all the, the terrible things that my dad had done to other people. So he, he gave him the maximum that he could, which was the 10 years, and he would have to pay restitution on taxes, on money that he had stolen. The sense of relief, knowing that he was away, felt incredible. It felt like I could breathe. He's serving a sentence of 10 years. During this time, my father tries to contact me. He tries to call me. He sends me letters. He would have his cellie, you know, the guy who shared the cell with him, draw pictures for me. Um, He made me a belt. I read these things. I opened them. I never wrote him back. I didn't want anything to do with my father. I was so... Relieved for the first time I felt like this is my life not yours in typical dad fashion he makes the district attorney like him he writes him letter after letter he starts doing all these great things in prison and he gets the district attorney that put him away for 10 years to reduce his sentence to 3 years I thought, well, I'm going to have to take his call when he gets out because I know he's going he's gonna to find me. And so he called when he got out. He was making his way to Texas, and he wanted to see me. And I said, okay, I wanted to get this over with. I knew it was coming. And it was awkward. The conversation barely got started. When he said... You know, I, I was down for three years, Jay. You never took my calls. You never wrote me back. I just, you know, I got to know, a son. Was it you? Was it you who turned me in? Was it me who turned him in? He doesn't say I'm, I'm sorry. He doesn't say I wasn't in my right mind. I wasn't, I, the things I did were wrong. All he wants to know is was it you are you the one who turned me in I I of all the people I mean of all the people that he stole from everybody everybody he met every person he met he ripped off you know, and in the end, he's, he's taking these single, vulnerable women and taking their life savings and, and hitting the road. And all these years, I protected him. And how dare he ask me if I'm the one of all the people. Am I the one who turned him in? I, you know, I didn't say this, but in my mind, I'm thinking, Good God, Dad, you put you there. You are the one who put you in jail. And so when he asked that of me, a lot of things circling around in my head. And in that moment, I decided to become the thing that I despised the most. I decided to be a liar, just like him. Like father like son. So when he said I just gotta know was it you were you the one who turned me in? I, I, I looked at him and I said No, no dad I no what I didn't turn you in.
0: jason waller as well as his brothers randy and Kel, for sharing their story with the snap the original score for this piece was by rinzo gorio it was produced by bo walsh where else dear friends where else are you gonna rob a bank and get but just one day time served only at snap judgment be the most interesting person your friends know subscribe to the snap judgment podcast amazing stories from all over the world even better you can rock a snap judgment t-shirt and watch all the oohs and ahs when you stroll down the street available right now at SnapJudgment.org. snap is brought to you by the team that always picks the right card except of course for the Uber producer mr mark Ristich. i try to tell him they don't play uno at these vegas casinos he won't listen There's Anna Sussman, Nancy Lopez, Pat Mercedes Miller, Renzo Gorio, Shayna Sheely, Taylor Ducat, Flo Wiley, John Fasile, Marissa Dodge, Regina Beriaco, David Exime, Bo Walsh, and Annie Nguyen. Now, this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, after the big score with sacks of cash, you could jump into the getaway car that won't get away, and you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. This is PRX.